Everybody who was anybody who came through through Brooklyn and smoked cigars would make an appearance in the room. Every time R. Kelly came to play New York, he would find his way to Blue Smoke. I was like, yo, he can't come here no more. And then G really pushed back. Okay, so look, I'm then, not trying to create a haven for him to be bringing his young girls into my room. You know, we need to do a better job within our own community and within our own men and our own circle that we know are preying on these young the girls. why I feel so strongly about this is that when we don't police our, our spaces aggressively, it encourages, if not altogether, enables certain behaviors to take place. What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the Charles Coleman Podcast. I uh, was thinking about today's show and I ran into Kurt when I had just got back out of town and I had gone to Iowa for some work and Kurt was like, Iowa, it was a thing. So I'm in Iowa. This is a true story. Shout out to my people out in Iowa because, you know, they help pay the bills. So thank God. Uh, I'm in Iowa and I'm driving from where I was staying to where I actually had to speak. And it was like a two-hour drive. Cornfields as far as the eye can see. I'm talking about nothing but cornfields. This is a true story. Like, it was not a building in sight. It wasn't even an exit. Like, it was just... Turnoffs into like residential neighborhoods. So it's early in the morning and it's just me and trucks on the road. And I'm late, surprise. And uh, I'm doing like 90, 91 a clip for like strong clips of like six, seven minutes at a time. Are you using Waze? I'm using Waze, but you know, Waze is not 100% accurate, right? Okay. But that's a great question. <laughs> so I see this car, it's, uh, it starts gaining on me and I'm like, shit. I'm about to, he's gonna yeah. about to light me up. And it was one of those things where there was no, there was nothing in front of me. So I couldn't put the brakes on. Right, right, right. And if I took my foot off the gas, which I did, I wasn't gonna, I was going so fast, I wasn't gonna slow down right. enough to be out of range. So he lights me up. So Billy Bob gets out the car, he walks up to me. I still carry my badge from when I was a prosecutor, my ID. Mm. So I pull out the joint. And I give it to him. I'm talking about like, I gave him like eight cards. My PBA card, <laughs> my ID card. The Jetro my, card. You, right. Costco, I got the Costco, Costco. I got credit. Like, my credit card. Anything. Anything. Fortunately, he let me go. I Jedi mind tricked him. I was like, yo, I gotta use the bathroom. Like, he was like, oh my gosh, you got like six more miles to go. And I was like, thank you, God. So I, you know, so I got out of it. But here's what I was thinking. Here's the whole point of the story. If that had gone bad and it had gone left, I need y'all to know, I have an approved, an advanced approved list of civil rights people who you can call if something happened to me. There's certain people who are not pre-approved. So if, God forbid, if something happens to me ever, I do not want to see like, don't call like, I, I'm not going to air nobody. Like, I can, I can right, air I'm like, you want to drop some names? Take it easy. I, like, don't call like Steve Harvey to leave a message. I, I can say that because Steve Harvey's my frat brother. We cool. It's, it's good. Like, but it's call Ben Crump. I can say that on the air. I'm okay. good. Call Ben because Ben would know who I would want <laughs> and who I would not. You got to be pre-approved because I'm going to look down from heaven and be I'm like, who? Authorize this. I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna be looking Charleston White. Right, right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. Where did this is crazy? Yeah, I'm not even gonna name nobody else. Right. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. This is a a carryover from a conversation that I had on live. So for those of you who don't know, I host a weekly talk back Tuesdays on IG Live. You should check it out. And I usually have like fun conversations. This one went really hard. I called it 
the James Todd Smith Invitational. Mm. Mm. It, it started as what is the best hip hop love song of all time? Best hip hop love song of all time. So we don't have a ton of time to like go over the whole bracket of, of what we did. So we're gonna, I'm, I'm breaking it down into two. The two sort of big ones, because really LL could have the whole he, list. He could have he's, the whole right. list. He's got the catalog. He could have the whole list, right. right? Like if you think about you got lounging, you got love you better, you got hush, you got I need love, you got hey lover, you got a whole bunch doing of other it ones. and doing you it. You got and doing, doing it, it well. Yeah. And that's not even a love song. That's yes, just it like, is. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't ruin it for her. Don't, don't ruin it for Don't ruin this for <laughs> don't me. Don't say that. So you could really just do it with LL, but we're going to talk real quick. You're All I Need by Mary and Meth versus I Need Love. This is the champ all time. What you got, Kurt? I need love. People was like, oh, you biased. You from Queens. I'm like, nah, I need love is just it. Like, Not from the Bronx. And <laughs> meth is it. Come on, man. That's the, like, the that wasn't duo. A love song, yes, it was. Do you think so? Y'all not really understanding what love is and how it translates in music. That's the problem. I oh, love that the fact that that's yes. what you think. That's that was the most toxic song of ever. <laughs> yeah, it is not toxic. It's Extremely such a toxic, toxic song. But the way it flows, right. it's like their expression of each other. It's just so it's real just and like genuine. A toxic it's ghetto love. It just doesn't make sense. Y'all want that fairy tale love. It's not real. You say, you know. What's not real? What's not real is y'all saying Valentine's cards and birthday wishes. Please let your man walk in the house without something for you on Valentine's Day or on your birthday and see if it's not but a it's problem. But it's Method Man. And he said it. And when he said it, he meant it with his heart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's timeless. Y'all focused on the wrong thing. Don't, I never really see on, the right on. stuff you know, in these you, conversations. You know, you know I'm That's get the you? problem with y'all. You know how I'm going to get you? You know how I'm going to get you? <laughs> Yesterday it was, you know, say you say yesterday. Like, you know, say, <laughs> right. Yesterday it was all women want to be married. Right. Mary and Beth, you don't need a ring to be my nah, wife. But you know, but when it's mess, I don't need a ring for mess. Like, <laughs> oh, no. oh, I just oh, need a situation. Okay. Well, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> you just need a situation. <laughs> that's it. I still voted my I need love because <laughs> Mary and Beth is also not an original song. It's a remake. So that's also why I'm like, I need love. And then and then the vulnerability that LL shows in I Need Love is just like, like you hadn't seen that before. Especially from a dude like that was, he was bad. He was uh, uh, Rock the Bells or Killing right. Ground on my radio. Like, I mean, he did exist in that dichotomy in which he could really show up super hard. And that's what y'all love, and right? So we do love that. However, however Mary however, and Meth together just really does it for me. I I I I understand that Mary and Meth do it for you. I, I, but I still maintain that all of y'all are talking that, oh, that's such a it's it's toxic. I love that. Mm. This is a toxic relationship. Right. And then y'all be complaining about it. Then it'd be exciting. Magazine. And then you exciting. Know. Let's go up to the project roots, baby. That's exciting. Word. Exciting. Pebble with Beach. meth. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta move on. Um We've talked about adulting and how sometimes it can be challenging. And I feel like as adults, we don't always have stuff that we like to get into, that we engage just in terms of like fun. I mean, we talked about self-care. We talked about that before, but I don't necessarily know that we always talk about stuff that's like, or we identify stuff that's fun that we enjoy. And so I was thinking about the things that I do in my regular sort of routine of life and the stuff that I do voluntarily, meaning, you know, I get some sort of fulfillment out of it. Not work, 
you know, not related to any particular project, but just stuff that I do. And so I came up with three categories because people always say like everything in moderation, right? And you know, when you're younger, you might be in Little League, you might collect baseball cards, and then you also might like collect comic books. So I created this sort of test, hobby, habit, and obsession. I would say that sneakers is a hobby for me. Collecting sneakers, being into sneaker culture. I really debated between sneakers and cigars. I, I tell people all the time, with respect to cigars, I'm probably 60% uh, uh, collector and 40% and, and smoker, somewhere around there. But I'll go with sneakers. Like sneakers, collecting sneakers is a hobby for me. I, you know, something I love to do. Habit. Uh, for whatever, for like, for all intents and purposes, is go, you know, go to the gym. Like, I, you know, exercise is a habit. I, I do it. Do I like it? It's, it, I, people think that I like it more, more than I actually do because I do it as much as I do. Right. But that's actually a function of it being a habit. Right. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, I like the results. I like to, you know, look good in my clothes, all that other stuff. But it's more so a habit just because I'm used to doing it at this point. And then obsession. I, I struggled with this one because I think that cigars actually kind of sort of maybe came into that realm as well. But when I'm going with Obsession, I'm actually going to go with colognes. And the reason why I said colognes and like obsessions with colognes was because I got like a lot of fragrances, like a lot, but I'll still get more. Right. Like if I smell some hot shit, if there's something hot that come out or I'm like, oh, this, or, you know, another thing is like if, if everybody ain't got it. I want like oh this new you ain't got this yeah I ain't smelling like everybody else I'm interested in that send it even send it on regardless right. of whether whatever else I got so I want to hear from you G hobby habit obsession hobby okay I love going to the movies really yes I really love it is my favorite pastime in all really? honesty yes I am I'm that person like in the middle of the week. Matinee. You just go. I'll just go. You know what I'm saying? Like I really love going to the movies. And the best part about that is that I'm a person that can watch a movie over and over again. Like it's the first time. I have no ability Word. to retain. Like people that be like knowing whole scripts. We watch like, this together. How? I watch it. I have sat in the shop. Me too. On night. We've sat in the shop with G and been like. Uh, she looking at the like TV. Like ago. right. Like and, and she looking have, at it like, wait, is this the guy? And we're like. <laughs> Like, I don't know what? how. It's amazing how I completely forget, but I love going. So that's that. That's definitely my hobby. You know what I'm saying? Because I get completely enthralled in it. I forget about everything that's happening in my life. And for those <laughs> two hours, over that hour and 45 minutes, I'm immersed. Okay? So that's my hobby. Okay. My habit is coffee. Really? Yes. Okay. I have to have coffee. Straight black. Well, now straight black. You know, I've, it's, my coffee experience has evolved over time, but I'm I'm good for just one cup. I'm not like ODing. Like that's why you know what I'm saying I, I wouldn't put it in my obsession space because okay. I can only handle one cup. Anything past one cup, I'm doing wild stuff. Like I could move this chair. <laughs> I'm so energized. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm standing by the bar, moving nothing. Like, but I feel like I can. You know what I'm saying? But, real strong, right? Word. But. So yeah, and then I'm like I'm I'm not like hooked on like one kind of coffee. Like I like to explore different 
iterations of coffee. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'll find new ways. Like, I want my coffee with a cheesecloth. You know what I'm saying? Like, steeped. What's versus, a cheesecloth? What is that? It's like this old school cheesecloth. It's a fabric, and you put the coffee. Uh, powder in the cheesecloth, like Dominicans use their use that a oh, lot, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I've seen that before. All right, all right. So that's my habit, my obsession. My obsession is cigars. Like, okay, I, I took something I was so passionate about and turned it into a business just so that <laughs> I could like, be what? in I'm it. Spending so much money, all, right? I need to make some money, off, make some money off of this, and it's been so long. Like I've been in this. Like it's the one thing in my life that I can say has existed longer than anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like in terms of like behavior. So um, yeah, and the fact that I turned it into a business, you know, Blue Smoke is thriving and I'm like in it. When you're an entrepreneur, you're just always in your business all day. It never turns off. So I'm looking for new experiences, new tastes, looking to try new cigars. I'm researching, I'm constantly researching about cigar history. Mm. So it's just like, like, like I could just read content on cigars all day, every day. So that I would say is this my is not, obsession. This is not obsession. Yeah, Kurt, what you got? <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna be redundant. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we all do the same thing, right? man. Hey, listen, but but we have it. What we have it ranked differently though. Okay, so um, hobby is uh, movie watching. Oh really? Um, really? Yeah, but not going to the movies. Like I can just chill somewhere and watch TV. It doesn't matter. Like I just like being engulfed into a movie. Um, Habit, cleaning in front of my home. Cleaning in front of your home? Yeah, I do that daily. Really? Yeah, like daily. Is it like a like you like? Is it some OCD? Or you do the same thing? Or you I do, think do different. Things? I think like, this borderline mean? OCD versus you know this presentation kind of a understanding. Got you. Um, you know my my blog is is a very busy block and um, there's always activity. So do you I, find it like therapeutic? I do. That's all you I do. do. Okay. See, that's the thing with me in the gym is like, it became a habit. And once it became a habit, it just became therapeutic on a certain level. So like, that's one of the places where I actually go to think about nothing. Right. Because it's one of the places like, once I'm into it, my mind is just in beta mode and I'm not thinking. So that's why I, if there's anything I enjoy about it, it's probably that. Right. It's because once I sort of settle into my space, I'm thinking about my breath, I'm counting in my head, but I ain't thinking about nothing else. Right, right. So I, that's So it, it seems to me, you cleaning in front of the crib might have that effect. Definitely, way. definitely. My little escape room. Outside. Outside. Love it. And uh, obsession, cigars. cigars. But it's weird. G, you brought up um, like learning about cigars and things like that. Out of all the years I smoked, I never had an interest in that. Really? Yeah. Like, I, and I you just like it because it tastes good. That and then it, it morphed in. When I first started smoking, it was all about taste, right? And then it morphed into... Um, think spaces, right? Mm. So certain cigars for me alter the way I think sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, I can walk into the room sometimes and want to be to myself, right? You know, you had those moments where uh, yeah. it's nothing, often. nothing about, you know, often. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the right. people. It's just a moment that you're in and then smoking certain things, it'll, it'll force me to have a conversation with G about something I, I wasn't even thinking about. And then we wind up having a great conversation about it. That's fine when you're having a conversation with G. <laughs> But like when you gotta have a conversation with some people you don't want to converse with, it's like, oh, I, I, I would, I would really just like to enjoy my stick right now, please. <laughs> no, that's not gonna happen. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not gonna, gonna happen. happen which no. is the, the downside of that. All right, I'm not mad. I mean, you know, that's a common bond that we yeah, share, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that it would be 
on our list. But I, you know, I thought about that like as adults, like what hobbies right. do we have? I didn't know that y'all was like such movie buffs. That's that's good. Mm -hmm. So I can keep on my movie references. Um, <laughs> last last shortcut of the day. I sent you guys an article about some stuff happening in different school districts, and we're having this conversation generally. And I want this to be a space that's honest. I'm just gonna put it out there. Are we effeminizing our boys? This is a this is a really, really challenging subject. We gotta deal with it in a responsible way. But people are having this conversation. So to act as though I don't wanna touch it because we can't have it the right way, well, who can? Have we gotten to a space where we are effeminizing our boys? Or is it a matter of perspective in terms of allowing us to look at what have been con con considered to be traditional gender constructs so that what we saw or thought as the definition of what it is to be a boy is just changed. And it has nothing to do with whether we're feminizing our boys, we're just broadening what that means. Because a lot of people say that the, the traditional way of looking at what we're saying when you say you're feminizing boys, that that's toxic, right? right? Um, but then at the same time, you know, we're also seeing messages that seem to contradict when these young men show up in the world as adults and they don't subscribe to what we might say are the traditional constructs around, you know, boyhood, if you will. Just curious about you guys' perspective on that. I mean, I think that, you know, we're in this, this weird space, you know, because we had this conversation the other day about incels, right? And the way in which we need to kind of like reapproach our grooming of our boys in order to prepare them for a society and a manhood that allows them to be open, allows them to be more communicative, allows them to have that space in which they're not so isolated, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like, is that feminizing them? Like, what do you, how are you? You know, for those who are like, why, why are we having this conversation? Where did this come from? Um, there, was a, there was a substitute teacher in Maryland mm -hmm. who got fired because he basically made some, some tweets and they were directed toward mothers, specifically directed toward black women. And what he said was, stop letting your sons pick up all these female traits. That was essentially the 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 the, the, the gist of his tweets. Traits like what? I, I, I'm not doing the dishes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's it. But but you know, I, I had a. I, I saw another conversation online, and somebody was like. <laughs> You gonna watch these dishes? Somebody was eating like, all this damn food in my house. <laughs> and take I'll my drawers off. If that's if that's not feminine, I mean, if that's feminine, then I was an effeminate boy because right. I was washing dishes. But it's it's a very very interesting thing. A lot of young men and boys adopt female or or or, or what is generally considered to be lingo and lexicon that women use, like. Men being like, what you're not gonna do is, or it's given. That's like one that, like, it's like, bro, what, what? Like, it's given, which is also interesting because a lot of that is very much so rooted in gay drag culture, where there are men who identify as queer or trans or what, or gay, and then they have lexicon, and then women, black women, adopt that, that, and then black heterosexual men adopt the same sort of like language and lexicon and. You know, you we can sit here on this couch and say, 
oh, well, how you speak and the words you use and the slang you use has nothing to do with your sexuality and how people view you. Exactly. That sounds good, but that's not a reality. In terms of how people view you. How you people view you. How you okay. people view you, right? But we all know that there are certain phrases that if you hear a guy say, it seems like an indicator, an indication of something around your identity. And we all have language indicators that we use. That's not a secret. It's not a thing. There are things that we use in language to, to identify ourselves as being from certain places, ascribing to certain cultures, having certain backgrounds, what have you. So that's not a thing. But is it problematic or should we be concerned if young men are using certain indicators that suggest or come from or are rooted in other things that they don't identify with? Or is it just an expansion of like, yo, everything's all right, let them be who they are? I think there's a, there's a responsibility behind what these children, if we keep it with kids, what they're being exposed to. Um, we live in a society now where we have to define everything. So I think that's where the, the confusion comes because it's like, well, I like that word because, you know, Auntie G says that word. Right. It, it was funny to me, right? But now you have to do the education as to, hey, possibly you could be viewed as this by saying this. Do you want to be viewed the way we view Auntie G? And then it turns into this whole convoluted crazy situation and he's like, damn, I just wanted to say a word. I, th I think we're having two very different conversations. I think if one is about young boys being effeminized by women in their household and in their environment. Sure. By being impressed upon what they're seeing and how these women are engaging and existing in their home. There's a bigger conversation around that. Why is he around all these women? Where are all the men in his life? <laughs> That's real. Why isn't he picking up those traits yeah. from all those men that he's hanging around? Oh, you mean these you know independent women that don't need a man? Those huh? women? The, the independent the women that, that, no. that don't need a man? We, we, Which is why there's no, no man in the house? Is that, that, why, that is, is that why? I mean, but that's the question. Is, well, you, that, is that the reason why there... <laughs> is that the reason why there are no yeah. men around to impress upon him? Well, she's both now. That's what's going on. Mm. That's what's up. Like, come on, cut it out. No, we can't. <laughs> you can't, have it both you can't, ways, you can't blame. You <laughs> can't. You can't make all of it. You can't make that level of generality. Like, come Why on. Why not? Because it's not fair. Fair to who? To the reality. Who are we protecting in this conversation? The kids. Where are these men in the kids' life? And why aren't they making an impression on those little boys? I think that that's probably the most valid point in the conversation on young men being effeminized. If there is an issue and you do have a situation where you're picking up these traits, you're going to pick up what you're around. So why aren't you around? Right. Why is that the dominant influence? And I think, circling all the way back to where this came from, I kind of think, and I'm not speaking for the substitute teacher, that was kind of sort of the point. Like, create spaces where they have opportunities to be exposed to other things than you, your sisters, and your girlfriends. Right. Like, create spaces where they have models for adults who are, you know... Or even men. models for kids not being in adult spaces. Like, at right. the end of the day, there's, a, there's another conversation mm -hmm. there where, you know, if you have a small child, you can't have him sitting around adult conversations Stop and thinking he's not going to pick them up. You know what I'm saying? Pick up on these attributes. It's just not real. Stop you know bringing what I'm the brunch. It's not the wave. Right. No, it's not. It really isn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we were kids, we couldn't be in the same room Word. with adults having conversations. Now, and then when we got older, we called that toxic. 
So we can't be mm. mad at the results now. Nah, that was never toxic. You had no nah, business nah, in the nah, room nah, with my aunts and uncles. That's the thing now where it's like, yeah. kids got rights, they got feelings. Exactly. They got, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, they do have rights and feelings, but they also need to be appropriate. Like, you can't expect- But you can't say you have rights and freedoms, but you can only have it this kind of way. That's not a right or a freedom. No, listen, your freedom is not is not at a point where you just free to be free and it's violating my right. I have a right to be an adult and have right. an adult conversation without children being present. Mm -hmm. So when the adults are around, the children need to be around other children so that they can engage in an environment that's safe for them because our conversation ain't for the kids. Right. I'm hoping that this generates a lot of the conversation. I'm hoping, quite frankly, in the comments that people got a lot to say because there are so many different dimensions to this discussion. And again, my biggest thing is that we have to stop being afraid to have it. Like we're, a lot of us are afraid to have it because of the consequences that we fear. And suppressing this discussion doesn't advance understanding any, any way, shape or form, right? To be like, oh, well, how could you ask that question? What do you mean, how could I ask this question? Like look inside, look outside, see what's happening. Look at the dialogue that's taking place. If I don't ask the question, it's not like the conversation isn't happening. It's not like people are not under, misunderstanding each other, making assumptions and getting into arguments or disputes, forming opinions that are not founded in anything other than like their siloed space. So having these conversations in a responsible way is an opportunity to really engage responsibly. But we got to move on now, however, which is going to bring us to our contributor segment which today we got smooth as cashmere, where Kurt is going to get a chance to wax poetic about the things that matter to him. Kurt, what are we talking about? We're talking about, um, you know how women always in, later on in life in the dating scene, uh, they start bringing up their biological clocks and things like that. Yeah. And it kind of adds a different type of pressure to dating. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I want to discuss, uh, that in reverse. I call it, I call it, 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 it's, people get mad when I say this. They get mad, this is right. Call it uterine fever. Uterine fever. Uterine fever. I like that. Can I, can I, borrow, can I borrow that? You can have it. Thank you. <laughs> uterine fever. Somebody save look, me. Look at you, look at you. Save me. Damn, I love this woman. So a person like myself, you know, um, married, but I'm married to a, a sick woman, mm -hmm. right? So if she ever met her demise, I'll be back into the dating scene, right? Mm -hmm. But in reverse, right? So now when I meet a woman, will she be a candidate for number two for the rest of my dating life? And can a woman handle that? And meeting someone new is like, I'm comparing you to what I've had already. I don't necessarily know that that's significantly different than a woman or a man, for that matter, who was married young and gets divorced. She had a husband before. Well, you think again, that's a big thing? I, I, I know it's a huge thing, but um, it's, it's, it's different between people who've already taken that route in life. I'm talking about- Oh, you're talking about who's never been married. Who's never been married. Again, you know, it's, it's the same thing with women who, with the biological clock. She's had guys, I hope, before. You're not going to be the first, right? So she's had others, but why didn't, you know, why is she in this spot? Right? You, but you can't say that. You just got to deal with what's coming to you. Mm. You know I, what I'm saying? I've never been married. If I was dating someone who had been divorced, 
I would not be thinking of myself as number two. That's man, ego, and pride. I can understand where Kurt is coming from because of the fact that it's not that he's just divorced, because when you're divorced, I hate that motherfucker. It's a different scenario because this person's passed away. Mm -hmm. So there are all kinds of emotional attachments to this oh. person that didn't necessarily spiral bad right. that caused you to leave the situation. You're a widow now, you know what I'm saying? So now, whoever this next person is, they got some pretty big shoes to fill exactly. if this person, you know what I'm saying, was really that special to me. Now, that, now that's a different perspective because I remember once that's the only perspective I was well yeah I was I was uh dating a woman and we I she had dealt with this dude kind of sort of on and off before me and then we was on hiatus you know how those go right I guess she started dealing with him again for some whatever and then we came back and then the dude died and she was fucked up about it and I was pissed I didn't know how to handle it and she was like you know Going to the funeral, and she was crying. She was emotional. Oh, I thought it. you meant you was with the dude when he died. I'm like, what? No, no, no. She, what are you doing? She <laughs> was back with me, mm -hmm. and then he died, and she was up about it, even though we was together. Mm -hmm. From a human empathy standpoint, I had to like be like, all right, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't. I didn't really have a lot of energy for the, the situation. Right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? I had to ask some people who I like trusted, like. <laughs> Hey, yo, is this all right? Like, nah. <laughs> am I okay with this? Don't cry for him in my crib. <laughs> right. I, I was kind of like. Go home and boo-hoo. Yeah, like. Yeah, you got a word. I was kind of like. Nah. I get was really here. in my head like, all right, you got, you got like 48 hours degrees. Not 48 I hours. I didn't say word. that. This is her ex-husband. No, it nah. wasn't. No, it was oh, just, it was just a, an ex. It was just an ex. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but that could be complicated too, depending on how long they were together. I mean, there's always feelings. There's residuals. You Not know? in my house, like, though. Not, yeah. not in my house. Yeah, go in the hallway and cry with us. Not going the hallway. Are you gonna tell that? To, are you gonna tell that to? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not playing. We can't do this, Phil. Because the longer I sit here and let you do this, you think I'm down. I'm not down. I have no feelings for this dude. Okay, but what I'm saying is, how are you gonna respond if in I, your situation, your reverse biological clock situation that you mm -hmm. use? When you have a moment, when it's your anniversary, mm -hmm. you're in a different space, mm -hmm. and you're sitting there, and you're going through the the pictures mm -hmm. of when you got married. Uh huh. What am I gonna do? What you gonna tell <laughs> the, the the new wife? I'm gonna go downstairs and clean in front of my house and smoke a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. And I put her through that. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right, all right. I I I appreciate that. That is smooth as cashmere. Well, that's gonna bring us to our main conversation today, which uh, I, I've actually been super excited about for a while. And I'm gonna lay this whole, I'm gonna lay this out so that people understand the scene, okay? So at 593 Washington, which is where G. Rubin is the boss, um, there are a lot of people who come through that room. And you know, I usually don't name drop on purpose, uh, but this one requires a name drop. No, it doesn't. It does though. This one, <laughs> the, this one requires a name drop. What are we on? Year 11 of, of the existence of Blue this Smoke? Is, no, year 10. This is year 10. This is the 10 year anniversary of Blue Smoke. So for years, uh, everybody who was anybody who came through through Brooklyn and smoked cigars would make an appearance in the room. And every time R. Kelly came to play New York, he would find his way to Blue Smoke. He would come and he would sit in the back and, you know, whatever. He would want the shop to stay open late. Neither here nor there. When Surviving R. Kelly came out, we were in the lounge and we were watching the show. It was, I think, episode one or two of Surviving R. Kelly. And I was sitting on the same red couch where he usually sits. And, and you know, I was like, yo. 
And this was kind of my position before Surviving R. Kelly came out. Like, it wasn't a new thing, but it was a thing. And I was like, yo, um, he can't come here no more. Like, like, he, like, he just can't be coming in this space like it's good. Like, we are a bunch of black men. And for me, I was just like, I don't feel like he should just be able to walk in here like this is just good because that's not what's up. Um, and then G really pushed back. Like, we got into it. And we, I think the, the conversation that night went on for a long, and we talked about it like two or three more times. And I was actually surprised about her position. I've thought about it since. And it really, for me, raises the question of how we police our spaces. I feel like one element of community is setting boundaries in terms of who gets free access to where and what and when and how. And it's on us first to police our own spaces. But I was surprised at your reaction to that comment. And I'm, I'm curious, how do we go about policing our, our spaces? And I think, you know, Gene, once you explain like what your position was, it'll be a little bit more apparent why I'm asking the question. Right. My position was really set on the fact that Blue Smoke being what it is in terms of just the sheer volume of black men that get to come into the space and decompress, right? I, I, my ears ring at some of the conversations that take place in there, you know, and I'm just like a fly on the wall. I'm not here to spread anyone's business or to anything. I'm just doing what I do, right? But so for me, I was just like, R. Kelly didn't seem any different from any of the other men who went after super young girls. And for me to say to R. Kelly that he couldn't come, then I'd have to really now start to screen the men that walk through the door and pass that same level of judgment. The reason why we can judge R. Kelly to the level that we do is because he's a super high profile person. All of his business is put out. And maybe he had a little bit more money to kind of do it on another level that was a little beyond what the average Joe is doing. But every dude, like I got an 18 year old daughter and she's beautiful. And when I'm walking down the street with her and I want to fight every grown man who's trying to like, and this is not just when she's turned 18, from the, since she's been 14, I've been, you know, my poor son been like, yo, mom, look, I'm going to need some extra mace. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this walk home from school is getting rough because getting these grown men is pressing, you know, Lola because she's beautiful and her body is super banging, you know? So, and I'm saying, I say that to say, if we're going to put him on a, the wall and be like, he's a target, then we need to do a better job within our own community and within our own men and our own circle that we know are preying on these young girls. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a trophy when this dude bags, he's 57 right. and he's rolling in here with this 19 and a half year old girl. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I, I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive, right? And I think the issue that I have is I understand that in certain spaces, we don't always know who's doing what. Right. Right? Like, and that was kind of sort of, if I'm understanding you correctly, the basis for your position. Right. Once we find out, once we cross that line, you too, sir, have to go. Like, I don't think it's just because we knew that R. Kelly, whatever, whatever, and then everybody else, because they, they was on a low or whatever, it wasn't a thing. As a community, we've generally decided this is not acceptable. Once we find out that that's happening, I think that we have every license to say, nah, you're not welcome here. It's weird because find, find it out, like, 
are we investigating others' lives now? Like, what, what no, are we doing? That's, that's a good question. I, I think we're not. But I also think that part of the reason why I feel so strongly about this is that when we don't police our, our spaces aggressively, it encourages, if not altogether enables, certain behaviors to take place. So once we find out that certain behaviors are taking place that we've generally deemed to be unacceptable in our community, it's kind of like one of those things where if you knew what was going on and you and you said you stood around and you said nothing and you just let it happen and you just let the dude come around. Well, and I'm not easy, saying okay. So look, I'm then, not trying to create a haven for him to be bringing his young girls into my room. Well, even the fact that he no, and I, I, I'm clear on that. You know what I'm saying, but, but, but even but, if, that's, but that's why that's a lot of why my pushback is on saying that it's not enough for us to just say you can't come here, right? Because now that just means that we you don't have no opportunity to, to kind of try to like. Get at this and influence right. that behavior or have that conversation. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, my room is not like the club. My room is a space where men come to decompress. My room is a space where men have real conversations where you can hold each other accountable. So you think so that I'm it would have been better the, to, at that point, pull up on him and say like, yo, um, stop hanging out at the McDonald's. No, yeah. I'm saying that that's a space where that kind of conversation can happen. Should Vers happen. Oh, should, should happen. happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus mm -hmm. a room... It's, this is not the strip club. Right. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it's a very different kind of space. And I'm saying that there needs to be spaces that exist for those people. And that conversation doesn't need to just happen with R. Kelly. It needs to happen with every dude in your circle, on your phone, log, yeah. that you know is engaging in that kind of behavior. And there needs to be safe spaces for us where we do police it. And I'm just saying that in my room... It's not the room where we're going to say, oh, nah, these are the lists of the type of dudes we let in, right. and these are the lists of the type of, nah, you know you heavy, sagging, pants dudes, come in my room, please. You know why? Because I want you to feel uncomfortable when somebody rolls up on you and be like, yo, put your pants up. Right. Mm. You understand think, what I'm saying? I, because I, you're I in a space where we're expecting you to move and operate in a certain kind of way. I'm enjoying my cigar. I don't want your whole underwears in my face if you're right. standing in front of me. I, I think right. that, I, you know, I, I, I see where you're going with it in terms of, and that was maybe a piece that we hadn't really talked about before. I, I understand the idea of like, we have to be intentional about when these spaces present themselves, the accountability piece. Right? You know, I think not welcoming is one approach in terms of like, you not good here. Right. And that's one way people can handle it. But the other side to it is if you're not going, to, if you're gonna have it where it's like, not. Nah, Come on in, my guy. Mm -hmm. Once they're there, we got something for you. You got to be intentional right. about mm -hmm. the actual regulation. Right. That's the piece that I think is maybe missing. Is that if we have spaces, policing may not necessarily be like you're not welcome. I mean, I, you know, there may be some spaces like this high school cheerleading competition. You not get out of here. Right. Right. But in spaces like you've described, G, right. In in sort of neutral spaces, adult spaces, or if you will, that would allow for that type of discussion. It's not okay then to just let you come in and post up. Right. Like right. you can't you can't just come post up. Right. Like yo, like my we man, don't know you was just with the yeah, 14 let me, year old. Let right. me holler at you real quick. Right. My dude, let me holler at you right. real quick. So when we're talking about policing our community and policing our spaces, I think that's the takeaway. The takeaway is that we've got to be intentional about the accountability piece. And we can't sort of just allow that to 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 fall on other people's shoulders. Like right. policing our community is everyone's responsibility. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't think it's a matter of like, I gotta be super investigative in somebody's business. 
But when it's mad flagrant and everybody in the hood knows right. and everybody knows what's going on, when you're in that space, you're going to get pressed. Right. That's what it looks like, I think. And that's really, I think, where those two worlds come together. And that's why you come to the Charles Coleman Podcast. It's going to do it for our main topic today. Stay tuned. Coming up, we got rules of engagement, our conversation on love, sex, and relationships. But before that, make sure you go down, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're following us on all platforms where podcasts are heard. This is your new home for black brilliance. I ain't even got to tell you. You know what it is. This is rules of engagement, and you already know. It's our adult conversation on love, sex, and relationship. We got the Triangle Offense, Three Kings running it today. Of course, to my right, understated but never underrated, my man, Cashmere Quirk Quillen in the building. How you feeling, fam? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm good. You're looking luscious. Thank you, sir. I love it. I appreciate that. Thank you, King. You know what I'm saying? You outside. Always. I like what you're doing. What up? What happened to the... Not today. Not today? Nah. What happened? Cats can't keep a secret. <laughs> Trying to catch this weapons charge out here. Ah, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I understand. My man. And of course, to my left, Mr. Style and Performance, as always, Mr. High Energy, Emerson's Finest. We got DJ CEO in the building with his ebony black man, ebony jet. Yo, if, if Kurt got the gun, the gun point. That's your thing? This is, my sh- this is mine right here. That's yours. That's, that's, yeah. that's his. All right. Well, that's what Owned it is. The king. <laughs> so tonight we're going to have like a hybrid conversation in terms of like love. Well, not love. We're, t- we're talking about... <laughs> Well, maybe it might be love. Okay. <laughs> Sex and relationships. This is a hybrid. Okay. So I saw something that was like kind of interesting of late where um, there was another podcast that was, you know, a celebrity talking about dating another celebrity. But she mentioned that she was really into golden showers. Okay. So we're not talking about golden showers. I'm not doing that. We're not doing that necessarily. The question is, when you've been with your partner, and you have a particular kink or something that you like to do or mm-hmm. something that you're into, mm-hmm. the longer that you've been with them, how do you introduce that? Or when you meet somebody new and you into something- A little different. A little different. How do you introduce that? The simplest answer would be you bring it up. Do you try it and bring it up? No, no, no. You always nah, bring it up nah, first. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you don't? Nah. nah. You definitely need to speak on that first. You definitely have to say something. You can't just go ahead and do it. Because depending on at the level of your kink, you might like really scare them off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't know because uh, when it gets to that moment of intimacy, like everybody's a little different. Like there might be people who's down, like get it popping on the first date, but they might still be conservative in the and how they do it. Yeah, and yeah, how yeah. They do it, but they let loose. Right. So you got to kind of first figure it out through conversation, like what it is, you know, where their mind is and how. How you just bring it up? You just be like, "Yo, I want to." At the end of the day, sex is going to come up at one point or another, usually inebriated, in, in an inebriated state. But at some point, sex is going to come up. And at that point, that's your window to kind of like see where this person's lying. And if she reacts crazy, you just be like, the next day, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I oh, no. That. No, no. You don't ever put it on yourself. You're like, yo, so I was reading. Oh, I saw this oh. online. Oh. Or I saw this. But and then you kind of get their thoughts. But the truth of the matter is everybody knows the game that's being played. Right, so that's a good point. That's a good point. You know what I'm getting at. Yeah, you know what I'm getting. I'm just trying to open it up where I don't look like a creep in case you like it. But I'm asking if you want to do this thing that I saw that I that I'm telling you that I want to do because I'm asking you about it, but I'm not telling you that I want to do it. Exactly. A lot of times there are spaces where your partner, who you've been with for a little bit, little bit, comes to you with something mm-hmm. that's new and different. You're like, where would you get that? Where'd you get that idea from? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where you learn that? Mm-hmm. I think that's corny. But I do think that it prevents people 
in relationships from sort of having certain conversations about stuff that they want to try, that they like, that they never felt comfortable expressing. So how do you handle that when your partner comes to you and says like, I want to try this thing and you're like, You've never mentioned this in three right. years, and now you want a tongue kiss. How does this work? Right. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I'm one of those guys where I believe new decisions and new conversations are motivated through something else. So you're talking about my partner. My partner, I feel like we've had plenty of opportunities to kind of introduce that thought once it was conjured in your brain. Now, if you're telling me through the grace of God today, she woke up and decided, hey, I want to try Blase Blip, and that thought is original for the day, then, I mean, we have to embrace it and see what we can do. But like see you're talking- See what we can do? Yeah, because what you yeah, were talking we're about review was- this. Yeah, yeah, we can do see what? what we can do. I mean, because not every- I mean, again, just because my partner want to do it doesn't mean I want to. So we have to see if this is something we can actually do. So, but, but, you're, but you're acknowledging that you might be like, where is this coming from? All the time you're going to be like, where is this coming from? Yeah. You would? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you've been together for that long and this is the first time it's coming up. Are you gonna ask like, are you gonna ask her where it's coming from? Um because I'm not. I don't care. Like if this is what you want to do, I might just I might assume that it was something that you I might say, why why now? But like I'm not judging. I'm gonna like, say why, why? because because you're dealing with time, right? So you've had all this time. Like you would hope sexual chemistry is a very, very important thing but also a very sensitive thing. Not everybody has it. Some people can build up to it. You know if your partner is leaning towards like the super freak side as opposed to the conservative side. You know that. So if y'all been having sex for like 10, 12 months, oh, right? Yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden yeah, it's yeah. like, this seems like out of character. Now it's like the, the, Yeezy, the Yeezy skit, like who taught you how to do this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then now you're thinking about infidelity and all this other type of shit. I and always, that's real. It's, yeah, it's that's real, real, but I always think you got to avoid that because what you do in those spaces is that you actually stifle the growth and your sexual growth with the person. And that's because okay. Not, because not why if, is it okay? All growth isn't good growth with the people you're with. Sometimes you can grow out of a scenario. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So, but if you suppress it, I feel like only one of two things is going to happen. Well, then who's suppressing it? Is it the one that didn't know until they got shocked by the idea or the person that knew it and never exposed it? I think both people play a part. Like if you- are, How if, do you play a part in something you had no idea about? Because if, you, because if you don't create an environment where your partner feels comfortable communicating with you, mm -hmm. then now they're not going to communicate. Like they, you, get, you might get one shot and then they're like, I see how that went. I had a whole bunch of other stuff in the bag. And then now you know yeah. that you and can't now go. I'm not, right, and now I'm not, I'm not having that conversation. Beat it. You're not pegging me. Beat it. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how long we've been fucking. It's over. It's done. I, I get it. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. All right. So, you know what? <laughs> Thank got you, you for joining us for another edition of Rules of Engagement. As Cashmere Kurt said, it's done. That's DJ CEO. I'm Charles Coleman. This has been our adult conversation about love, sex, and relationships. We will see you next week on the Charles Coleman Podcast. Peace. <laughs>